What's going on, everybody? Happy Monday, back from Easter weekend, and we're talking basketball. It is the awesome.com NBA strategy show presented by Underdog Fantasy. I'm Dave Lochran. Joining me, Adam Share at Ship My Money DFS. You can follow me at Lafayette underscore D on the Twitters as well. Breaking down a three-gamer today, game twos, Adam, and you got one that has a 205 and a half total. Interesting stuff. Yeah, uh, so some pretty low scoring games that Bucks are uh, not Bucks, uh, Bulls, yeah, Bulls Bucks game yesterday. I think you missed the total by what, like 40 or 50 points or something like that. Is that what it missed it by? I, I don't remember what the final was. I know that I think they put up on the screen during the game because I don't know what it was going in, but I think they put up that it was 230. And I know with like five minutes left in the game, it was at 155. Hold on, uh, Bucks Bulls, yeah. Yeah, it finished, I think, like 94-86 or something. Hold on, let me check. 93-86. That's crazy. Yeah. And Well, today, though, you got one with a 205 total. That game last time out was, what, 191 total points scored? Not as surprising, though, because it's the Mavs and the Utah Jazz. Yeah, two of the slowest teams in the league. That that was the one where Kidd even joked before the game that they were probably the – first game because everybody knew how slow it was going to be and the NBA just wanted to get it out of the way. Yeah, seriously. Ended up being a good game. I mean, look, I'm fine with those type of games if they're competitive. Uh, This has been actually pretty fun start to the playoffs. I'm not even including the play-in games, but there have been some good games. I mean, Minnesota taking that win, that was a 13-point game, but it was pretty competitive throughout. Uh, and then Utah and Dallas hanging in there. You got Reggie Bullock playing like the whole game. Uh, I was happy to see the Philadelphia 76ers with that 20 point win. And then yesterday, uh, I didn't watch most, I didn't watch much of the Bucks Bulls at all, but I caught as much as I could of that Boston Nets game. Did you watch the Boston and the, and the Brooklyn game? Kind of had it on in the background at times, but I didn't Did really see the final sequence of the Bucks. Wait, of which game? Boston, Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw the end of that game. So I'm uh, I'm at my in-laws, and, you know, we're all hanging out, we're eating and everything. So it was on mute, and we're walking around. But I'm watching this, and I think to myself, like, I'm seeing it, but kind of coming in and out at the end. And, like, why did Durant take that shot that ultimately led to Jason Tatum getting that sick, like, pirouette for the layup? Yeah. Then went back and watched it. It was just stifling defense by Boston, and he had to get the ball out before the shot clock expired. The defense yeah, yeah. was insane. Yeah. Really good defense down the stretch. Yeah, it was good. But like I, like I said, kind of walking in, I got my daughter running around, getting up steps now. So you know how that, you don't know how that goes, but you can imagine. Yeah, no, how no that, idea how that goes. You can imagine how that goes, right? Like yeah. you're chasing them. And I'm like, what is he doing? And I thought like he had, the, they could not get a shot off. They, they wanted to get a Kyrie Irving three there, it looked like. And I'm like, why is he taking a three? They're already up by, by two. Just get a bucket, put them up two possessions. But yeah, I mean, that was phenomenal defense down the stretch by Boston. And then to get that shot off as time expired, really good finish. We got some fun ones tonight as well. Toronto, not expected to have Trent uh, or Gary Trent, not expected to have Scotty Barnes uh, on a lesser level, only played like six or seven minutes last game. Thaddeus Young, also doubtful for this one. Uh, and then Utah, Dallas, Denver, Golden State. That one was not competitive at all last time. Not a huge surprise. Any of these spots you're particularly looking forward to just from like watching them? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> like Boston, Brooklyn's the one that I get most excited. To. I, well, yeah. Philly, obviously, but that's because I'm a Sixers fan. 
Right. Yeah. As far as the series go, I mean, Boston, Brooklyn, because I mean, that's, you can say what you want about the Nets, but any team with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant is just way more dangerous than your normal two or seven seed or whatever they are. Yeah. No question. Boston though. I mean, what, what a win. Yeah. Brooklyn made a great, they Brooklyn was down by like 13 points at one point in the third too. I thought. Yeah. They, they went on a huge run to open the fourth and took the lead. Um, and cause so I, I, I ended up not betting. I was thinking about betting Brooklyn as dogs going into that series, but it only got to like plus plus one ten, So I didn't take it. Um, but I was like, well, they'll lose the first game in Boston. Maybe I can get a better number and I'll take it once they're down, like down a game and then they're winning. I'm like, damn, I guess that's going to go out the window, but I'll still have that chance, I guess. What's it at? Have you looked to see what it's I haven't, I haven't looked. It, it wasn't up last night when I looked. I haven't looked this morning. It's probably here. Here we go right here. So series markets, Brooklyn. Plus 180. Yeah, I was hoping it would go more. Yeah, that's not that crazy right now. Uh, some of these, Utah minus 700, Philly minus 425, Warriors minus 500. And these are all the games for tonight, right? Like these are all games where these teams are heavy favorites to win their respective series. So let's dive into it. Hopefully you guys had a good weekend, a great Easter if you celebrate it. Or uh, as Adam told me, Passover. What day was Passover? I don't know, man. Like, you're Friday. the one that told me when I said, Hey, happy Easter. You're like, by the way, it's well, yeah, I don't know. It was this weekend. I think it was like Friday or Saturday Friday. or Sunday, one of those days. And we're back for it. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. We greatly appreciate it. It helps us around here. Otherwise, I wouldn't ask you, but it does. So if you haven't done so, hit that thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel as well. We're at 75,700 plus, just making strides, getting towards that hundred century mark is going to be a party. And if you want to join, hit that join down below. We'll uh, get you the free super chats each run, the custom emojis, the sweet badges. I'm iced up now, baby. Got that blue iced out badge for the one year. Jake D coming in strong, deciding that that would be the one year badge. And we'll always prioritize your questions along with premium discord uh, and all of that and comments as well. So, all right, let's dive into this one. Toronto, Philadelphia. So to, the, the 76ers, let me just say this. That was an outlier game, okay? You can say whatever you want about them. And I still think, you know, it's a great win. It was a great team effort. And I think if you're going – I said this to Josh yesterday, Adam. If you're going to go deep into the playoffs as, as the 76ers, it's not going to be with Embiid scoring 35 points a game. It's just not going to be. You need Harris and Maxi and, and Harden. You need everyone to contribute. I don't care if it's Harden contributing with 14 assists a game and not turning the ball over. That's fine. But in a sense, it was an outlier. Maxi drops 38. Harris played phenomenally. Uh, Harden didn't have a turnover and 14 assists, but the team only turned the ball over three times on the entire game, and they just shot lights out from three-point range. So expect a little bit of regression there. But Toronto on the other side is not is expecting to be without two of their starters today too. Yeah, uh, just really brutal spot for Toronto now. So let's talk about the Raptors. Seven-and-a-half-point dogs. The first question here is, what do we see from, from Nick Nurse in the rotations? Now, yes, if you look at Popcorn Machine or wherever you go, they played a lot of guys last game, but Isaac Bonga, Brooks, Banton, uh, Flynn, those guys were essentially just like all uh, blowout guys. Even Watanabe was played like the final six minutes or so, but hadn't played before that. So aside from that, you only had uh, nine guys in the rotation, and Thad Young, if you count him, played five minutes 
Uh, a lot of the uh, Ken Birch played eight minutes. Yeah, so it's going to be just a totally different uh, Toronto rotation here. And for once, I'm not even exactly confident in how it's going to go because we've seen so many injuries on Toronto this year that it was pretty easy to say, like, okay, well, this guy's going to step in, that, that guy's going to step in. But we did get the random Armani Brooks start. Um, I think it was with Van Vliet out towards the end of the season. I'm not expecting that to be the case today. I'm assuming you're going to get a starting lineup of Van Vliet, Ananobi, um, Siakam, Boucher, Achua, probably. Um, maybe you get Mikai Luke or Brooks in there, but um, I'm not really sure. I- I'm assuming they're just going to go bigger, though, because that's typically where what they try and do. And I guess it doesn't matter much now, but like Thad Young's minutes were were very much curtailed in that first game. It's the playoffs. But don't you think if Thad Young hurt. was... What's that? He got hurt. Right. But, uh, yeah, but... Oh, did he get injured in that in that rotation in that first rotation? Yeah. How many minutes do you think he would have played then? I don't know. I, I'm, so I think he got injured in that rotation. I'm not sure how many minutes he would have played. I know that we got the alert saying like that Young's injured. Okay. Okay. So with him out, that takes another body off the floor that you could give some extra additional minutes to at the forward position. It's like. How do you think, and, and I know it's early, we'll have the deeper dive, we'll have live before lock and all of that stuff today, but how do you, even outside of the rotation, what do you think the playing time looks like? I mean, Siakam's playing 43 at, at minimum at this point. He lost, he, what did he play, 40 last game? He lost three minutes to a blowout. Uh, we know that those guys, even Ananobi probably gets to 36, if not more, and Van Vliet's going to play a lot. But what about the other guys? Yeah, so I mean, I think you're getting 40 plus from the the three main guys, Van Vliet and Anobi Siakam. The rest, I think, like like I said, I'm not sure what the starting lineup looks like. I'm guessing they start Boucher and Achua, but I don't know. Um, could again, you know, could be Brooks, could be Flynn, could be Mikhail Luke, you know, or it could be Watanabe. Like I, I don't know exactly what they'll do with that fifth piece, but. I think that for sure Siakam, Van Vliet, Ananobi, and Achua are, are starting. I think the first three are playing a ton of minutes. I think Achua plays a lot as well. Um, at 4,300, he'll end up looking like a good value. And then I think it's kind of just trying to guess right on the other pieces. Uh, Boucher would be, whether he's whether he's starting or not, Boucher would be my first choice off the bench just because um, even if he doesn't start, I expect him to play a big role here, get increased minutes. He's a very good point-per-minute guy. He's only 4,400. Then with the Brooks, Flynn, Birch pieces, I think that one's really, really difficult because with Van Vliet in, Brooks doesn't really have a natural role here. Like if you're just trying to get another shooter off the bench, you're better off going with Svi Mikhailuk. If you're going to try and add defense, you're going to somebody like Watanabe. If you want to play with more size, you're going to Kem Birch whenever Achua is not out there. So um, on the one hand, you know, Brooks at 3K, like – yeah, he has a path to more minutes. I just don't – if he's coming off the bench, I don't really know what that path is. If they start him, then obviously he's at least getting some minutes. But I think that's – that that final spot is pretty risky. But Boucher is the one that I'm most confident in uh, his playing time, whether he starts or comes off the bench. It is tough with Van Vliet, though, because they – Nurse didn't run a traditional backup point guard at all in game one. Right. You know? when, when, when Van Vliet was out, you had – Boucher, Achua, Ananobi, Barnes, and Siakam out there. Uh, and then you had Siakam, 
Ananobi, Trent Jr. or Trent Achua and Boucher, and then Birch for a little bit towards the end. Like, so I I don't know if there's needs to do that unless unless you're just trying to fill those wing spots and and there's a trickle down effect. So uh, right, I like guess- the way I see it is, if they don't start Armani Brooks. I would think that you're getting either Brooks or Flynn basically playing backup point guard, maybe you know a little bit more, but not enough to really matter. If Brooks starts, he's still risky because he's out there playing with Fred Van Vliet, and like you don't, you know, Van Vliet's not going to turn the offense over to Armani Brooks here, so he's still risky, but it would at least be a good sign for his minutes. But like they can very easily just also stagger Van Vliet and Siakam, and Siakam's the point guard when Van Vliet's not out there. So right. the bench rotation can be very. Very fluid, I think, depending on like how the game's going, what they need. Um, but that's why, again, like I'm most confident in Boucher out of that group, whether he's starting or not, because I think he's the one that is clearly ahead of, of everybody else that comes off the bench. Nurse is really running some big lineups with Van Vliet off the floor. Like, you're having like either one of or all three of the four of Achua, Birch, uh, Boucher, and Siakam out there at all times. By the way, yeah. it, there is no way Boucher's 200 pounds. I know he's 6'9", but that dude can't be more than 140. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's why I, the first time I saw that um, Taco Fall weighed over 300 pounds, I was so confused. It's great. I get it. 6'9", 200 makes sense. But Boucher is so skinny, man, for, for a basketball player. He looks so thin out there. It's crazy. Uh, so, okay, outside of the Armani road, Brooks to guard James Harden is a uh, – Strange idea. What what do you say? Oh, you're it's on Murphy said Brooks should start for defensive purposes to guard Harden. Okay. Yeah, I mean that, that won't work. The the Raptors then outside now that we have at least we think we have some type of idea what it looks like. I, I think both of us would agree that we still it's good that it's the, the earliest game on the slate, put it that way. Uh, because then we'll know. And and the, the biggest thing for me is that it's very possible that. Like sometimes starting lineup doesn't matter as much because guys still get a lot of minutes off the bench, but I don't know, Adam, given this rotation, given what, you know, Nick nurse's tendencies, given two starters out, you might see an even more condensed rotation tonight. So these starters really, really benefit if that's the case. Yeah. Um, kind of. So like, I, I think that the normal starters, so Siakam, Van Vliet, Ananobi, Achua, I'm very confident saying they all play a ton of minutes, particularly the first three, but you know, Achua as well. But then like the fifth starter, maybe like if Boucher starts, I think that's a great sign for his minutes. Agreed. If Armani Brooks starts, that's a good sign in that like, he's going to play more than eight minutes probably, but I'm still not viewing him as a traditional starter. Same goes for guys like, you know, Flynn or Watanabe. Yeah, I guess. But but then the question would just be, who are the guys? Do then are we expanding the bench? In like maybe in terms of number of players, but not in terms of minutes. Like I think you just get probably a lot of you know Brooks, Flynn, Watanabe subbing in and out for each other. Yeah, you could be right. You see, like, I think like- the closing lineup, one way or the other, is Siakam, Van Vliet, Ananobi, Chu, and Boucher. Start seeing a lot of those like. Rick Carlisle crazy rotations off the bench where it's just like three minutes here, five minutes here for that guy. Yeah. Right. You know, offense, defense, like, yeah. but, but like, I don't think it matters for DFS because there's just not enough minutes available. So how much do you like these big three then? And then if Boucher starts, obviously, you know, that 4,400, that's a great spot. Yeah. So um, 
looking at DraftKings pricing, I actually think my top three are Siakam, Van Vliet, and Achua. Um, Ananobi would be fourth at 5,800, and then Boucher at 44, whether he's starting or not. But if he starts, obviously, looks better. Um, Ananobi's not nearly as productive point per minute when he plays alongside Siakam. And, of course, most minutes for everybody today are going to be alongside Siakam because uh, I don't think he comes off the floor for more than, like, a few minutes. But... At 4,300, just knowing that barring foul trouble, you're probably getting, you know, 34, 32 to 34 minutes from Machua, it still makes him look like a good value at 4,300. Um, if you wanted to pivot away from that in tournaments, you know, maybe he gets in foul trouble. Uh, Ken Birch, you could take shots at, but he's not as good a point per minute guy anyway. Um, so I think that Siakam and Van Vliet both look very good at their respective price tags. Uh, Van Vliet at 7,500 is wildly underpriced. Siakam at 9,200, I think a little bit less so, but still still too cheap. Um, and then Ananobi looks fine. Boucher looks fine. Ananobi has played 730 minutes with uh, alongside Barnes and Trent this year, 19.5% usage rate. Without them, he's played around 300 minutes. His usage rate's at 26.5%. So... I think Ananobi's pretty interesting. The price point isn't great. Like you would love him to be a little bit cheaper, but uh, assuming that he does play huge minutes as one of the uh, quote-unquote big three, I I, I kind of like Ananobi a decent amount. Just given that Van Vliet, from a usage standpoint, ever since he returned from that knee, uh, he is not producing at the same rate. Like his usage is down to twenty-one percent uh, since Ananobi came back on on the twenty-fourth of March. So. We'll see. I mean, you would think that he starts to be a little bit more more aggressive here. All right. Yeah, I agree. Philadelphia, Embiid, Harden, <clears throat> Harris, Maxi. I mean, honestly, last game is the game you love to see if you are a Sixers fan. Not really the game that you love to see if you are a DFS player because – I mean, I guess I guess I should say that uh, phrase it a little differently because Maxi was obviously good, Harris was really good, but they spread the ball around a lot, and I think it's a winning formula for sure. But I also don't know if this is was this something was this the game plan to to make sure that Joel Embiid doesn't have to do all the work? He passed really well at a double team, so did James Harden, and that opened everything up for guys like Harris and Maxi. If you go back and watch some of that, or just take our word for it. Yeah, I mean, Maxi led the team with a 30.8% usage rate. Um, Embiid was second at 27%, and then Harris and Harden were both between 25 and 26%. Um, I don't think you necessarily just take those numbers and move forward no. with them. You still have to factor in, you know, that Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxi is Tyrese Maxi. But um, if it was, you know, partially determined by Toronto's game plan and, you know, forcing Philadelphia into that, which would make sense, then, you know, maybe you do see at least a little bit of an increase in, uh, usage for guys like Maxi and Harris. They're both inexpensive. They're both playing a ton of minutes. At the very least, you can take shots on them at 6,400 and 6,800, knowing that there is some additional upside um, if you do kind of get a replica of, of how game one went. But you also got a decrease in salary on Embiid. He's down to 10,700 on DraftKings, just an insane price tag for him. Whether he's leading the team in usage or not, you know he's going to be heavily involved um, as a passer. He's going to rebound well, and he's still going to get his scoring-wise, even if he's not at 36% usage or whatever he was during the regular season. Um, but there's also no guarantee that he doesn't just get back to there uh, you know, in, in future games. Like Game one could easily be at least some sort of a blip where – NB's usage was just down and now it goes back up. So 10-7 for him just looks ridiculously cheap. 
and it shouldn't be that difficult to get there, I don't think. Harden at 9,300, still underpriced. Uh, clearly played really poorly down the stretch for Philadelphia. Uh, came back, had a nice game one. But when you just talk about somebody that's going to play as many minutes as Harden and be as involved and get as many opportunities as Harden, it's really difficult to look away from him at $9,300. I agree. And he paced 43 minutes last game. It had not been for that blowout. Now, it could have been that Doc put, uh, you know, threw him back in the game a little bit early just to keep the foot on the on the gas, which you know, and just throttle the the Raptors, which I think would have been wise. Doc's made that mistake way too many times in the past, where he's just like, all right, we got a good cushion. Well, let's let them shrink it down to six, and then we'll bring these guys back. So maybe, maybe it's, I mean, you're not projecting him for 43, obviously, but he played 40 minutes and came out with three minutes left in the game and that blowout. So Harden. You know, barring foul trouble or injury or whatever, is a lock to play big minutes. If you're, if you're, and and I think you were kind of alluding to this, you kind of said it actually. If you're telling me that Harden's playing forty plus minutes, I, I don't care how, I don't care how much he struggled at ninety three hundred in a playoff game, especially where he is a primary distributor and he's he has the ball whenever he's on the floor. That's just too cheap of a price point. Yeah, and there's also kind of the strategy point between him and Embiid because um, right now we don't have it projected to be as pronounced a difference as it was in game one, but Embiid's still projected for a lot more ownership than Harden. And if you do get a replay of game one where, you know, the Raptors are doubling Embiid and forcing the ball out of his hands and forcing guys like, you know, Harden and, and Harrison Maxey to do more, then that makes Harden a lot closer to Embiid in terms of production. Um, you know, down the stretch in the regular season, it was clearly Embiid one, Harden two, sometimes three to Maxey at that point. But, um, it, it makes it so like if Harden goes out there and has his his best game, he is at least to some extent probably cutting into Embiid scoring and making it so they're a lot more similar than, you know, their median projections, uh, you know, based on regular season usage and everything suggests. So um, from a strategy angle, Harden is, is interesting there, too. Like, assuming you're not going to be able to get both of Embiid and Harden into the same lineup because it's a playoff slate and value is going to suck there's definitely some merit to just saying like, okay, Harden's a little bit cheaper. He's lower owned. If I get that ceiling Harden game, you're probably getting a good, but not great Embiid game. Right. Josh Gillum said, Embiid said, this is not a series where he's going to look to score 40 every night. Could just be talk. Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I don't really take much into what he's saying. I look at the the series in general. This is a team that has done pretty well against Embiid. Obviously the Marcus all factor in the past was pretty significant. He, he played 32 minutes and had zero points against the Raptors. Don't forget about that. Like the, the worst Embiid game ever, but I just think it makes more sense that when you have these other players on the team to not force everything to go through Embiid, it's just, they've proven they don't win that way. Plus there's no doubt in my mind, this guy was looking for the scoring Adam. He wanted the scoring title. Like it's no surprise that they were force feeding in the ball down the stretch when they knew that they were going to at least get the four seed, you know? Yeah, and as far as, you know, Embiid saying it's not a series where he's going to look to score 40 every night, sure, because the Raptors probably are going, like, object number one for the Raptors defensively is not to lose to Joel Embiid single-handedly. So, like, assuming they're going to throw doubles at him and and force him to pass the ball, like, yeah, he needs to not look to score 40. He doesn't want to just, you know, force it through double teams. If they say, oh, well, we're not going to let Tyrese Maxey and James Harden beat us, and they just start, you know, singling Embiid, then he's going to look to score 40 because that's what's best for the team. So, like, that's that's how I read into that. It's not that Embiid's going out there saying, like, oh, yeah, my plan in this series is to get everyone else involved. If they give it to him, he's going to take it. It's just unlikely that the Raptors give it to him. Right. And how about my boy, Paul Reed? He, he's the backup center now in the playoffs. Got to hand it to him. Yeah, until Rivers decides to uh, give it back to DeAndre up. Jordan. Yeah. 
Paul reads so much better than DeAndre Jordan. It's not even close. Anything else for Philly? Um, Danny Green played 22 minutes. He's 3,500. He's the type of value guy that people will probably go to at least a little bit um, just because it's a playoff slate. He'll probably score like 14 fantasy points and you'll wish you hadn't. Um, but, you know, he did start in place of Matisse Stiebel. He played 22 minutes. Stiebel played 18 off the bench. Shot 0 for 5 from 3. Yeah, you know, doing Danny Green stuff. Stinks. All right, let's keep it going here. One down, two to go. He was Seth Curry before Seth Curry was Seth Curry. Yeah, pretty much. Or Patty Mills. Sorry, not Seth Curry. Oh, yeah. You're saying he was the the Patty Mills that we were dealing with all season long? Yeah, Danny Green was like a good, like, 3 and D NBA player until he suddenly wasn't. Yeah, dude. Danny Green with the Toronto finals season was was pretty effective, you know? He was good up until, like, the bubble, and then he just, like, completely forgot how to shoot. Yeah, he was uh and he's just like a corner three guy. That's where he that's where he played. He just shoots corner threes and, and plays defense. But like you said, you gotta still shoot threes or make them, I should say. And he hasn't been, but anyway. All right, let's get to Utah and Dallas. Before we do though, shout out to our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. They got some great contests going on. Hopefully, you guys jumped in the uh the best ball one for the NBA playoffs that had 30k up top. I think it was like a two hundred thousand dollar prize pool. Obviously, football, best balls right around the corner. If you're like me, you'll probably get in on them pretty early. But tonight, even you have the 20K Monday night hoops with 4K up top. Uh, best ball draft for you know, dra- snake draft format over there at Underdog Fantasy. And if you use the promo code AWESEMO, A W E S E M O, when you sign up and deposit, you get a deposit match or they'll double your deposit, first deposit up to a hundred dollars. Over there at Underdog Fantasy. Got to use the link in the description, though. Or, Jordan, if we have one, we can put in chat as well. Use that and use the promo code AWESEMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Get double on your first deposit up to $100. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Download it in the App Store, wherever you want to play. But, uh, yeah, it's a great site. Everybody, you, everyone uses it. Like, anyone, anyone that plays best ball uh, is using Underdog Fantasy now. So, join the fun. All right. Utah, Dallas. Donovan Mitchell had a 42% usage rate last game in 41 minutes. Do you know how crazy that is to have a 42 higher usage rate than minutes when you play 41 minutes? Yeah, it's uh pretty insane. I mean, he and, and the crazy thing is he did not shoot well at all. He shot terribly, really. Uh it was 34% and got to the line 11 times, though, 10 for 29, 42, sorry, 42 minutes in this game. This is not a good matchup. It's not a fast-paced game. I mean, Dallas has a, a, a good defense. They play at a, a crawling pace, and that's the only reason they kept that game competitive. But dude, if Mitchell's going to come out there and just rip shot after shot and play 40-plus minutes, I'm interested. Yeah, I mean, I think you you should be interested. Like, it's a three-game slate. You're talking about Donovan Mitchell. He's going to have the ball in his hands a ton. Right now, he's getting 27% ownership on DraftKings, 26% chance of being optimal. So ownership about where it should be. You should get a ton of minutes from him as well. Um, it just kind of comes down to the, the biggest argument against Mitchell, I think, and it's reflected in the ownership, at least to some extent. Um, well, I guess two things. For one, like you said, a slow-paced game. 205, 206 total, not likely to be high scoring, but a lot of that Utah scoring will come from Donovan Mitchell, obviously. Um, But the other thing is like, he's only $900 less expensive than James Harden. Uh, He's more expensive than guys like Dinwiddie and Brunson that are going to play an increased role without Luka. Um, 
So from that angle, it's kind of just like an awkward price tag on Mitchell where he's more expensive than Van Vliet, um, where he's Mitchell himself is not overpriced, but I think he's just like less appealing. His salary is a little bit less appealing, especially in this spot than guys like Van Vliet, Harden, uh, the Dallas guys. So that makes it kind of difficult to get there, but at the same time, it lowers his ownership a little bit. The ceiling is, is obviously massive. Like who on this team is going to take shots other than Donovan Mitchell? You know, Conley is around the you know, he's a low 20s usage guy. So is Bogdanovich. Clarkson off the bench is, is you know, the second highest usage guy on the team. So um, it, anything Donovan Mitchell wants, he can take. Yeah, exactly. And, and and I agree with what you're saying. The price is reasonable. It's fair. It's not discounted where we have other guys that, that seem discounted. But I mean, Clarkson only played 20 minutes last game too, right? So there really aren't, he's really not going to be alongside Mitchell that often you have, Bogdanovich, who got up a ton of shots. I mean, that seems to be the ceiling when it, when it comes to Bogdanovich. Like 20 field goal attempts in that game, played 40 minutes. It's just it's an it's an it's an interesting team because the matchup itself, the pace, all of that are wildly unappealing. But then you just look at the minutes, and then you look at even Bogdanovich usage last game. It, it, Whiteside, not Whiteside. So Rudy Gobert had a seven percent usage rate in that game. He, he was out there for thirty-five minutes, but uh, it, it does appear that that Mitchell and Bogdanovich are going to play a ton. And uh, Mike Conley played thirty-five minutes himself. So when it comes to the Utah Jazz, all of that considered, there's still a fine team to get to just because of some of these salaries, like Conley. And I think Bogdanovich is fine if he's going to keep shooting. But the matchup and the pace definitely keep it to where it's not a spot you're you're jumping to get to. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Gobert, I think, is the other clear top piece here. Um, you don't need the usage. So, you know, him being a low usage guy is, is whatever. But he still played 35 to 36 minutes. It's a good spot for him. He's only 7,800. So, I think, you know, along with Mitchell, he looks very good. Gobert probably a little bit easier to get to as well. With the with the other players, though, I think it becomes pretty interesting. I just saw um, RC, RC Vidal in chat. Uh, make the point I was going to say as well. He said, anybody feeling like everybody's going to flock to bogey and, and, you know, we could pivot to Conley. I don't think Bogdanovich is a bad play by any stretch. Like he was second on this team in usage last game or tied with Clarkson um, at 27 and a half percent. Like you were saying, he got up a ton of shots. He played 40 minutes. He's obviously a good play here at 5,700, but you can play like uh, the, the way I view these peripheral guys is that it's just going to be a matter of, you know, kind of what does Dallas give them outside of Donovan Mitchell. And after getting torched by Bogdanovich last game, it's entirely possible they come out today and they're like, all right, but you know, letting Bogdanovich beat us wasn't the answer. Let's make, you know, old ass Mike Conley do it or something like that. And you get, you know, more usage from Mike Conley. I think the, the point being, I think you're going to see game to game usage among guys like Bogdanovich and Conley be pretty volatile. So if you're going to see people kind of chase what happened last game, you can, you know, move to, someone else. The the counterpoint right now, though, is that we have Conley projected for 28% ownership. We have Bogdanovich projected for 26% at basically the same price tag. If that holds, then I prefer going to Bogdanovich just because he is the one that we saw Dallas let beat them, essentially. And, you know, based on how that game went, you kind of have to think that Dallas is willing to say like, okay, well, you know, let, let's try it again. You know, if we lose to Boyan Bogdanovich, we lose to Boyan Bogdanovich. For sure. Yeah, it's 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 a good way to look at it, I think. And at that point, Mitchell shot terribly, but he did shoot a ton. So we'll see. See if they can if they can keep the the efficiency down. And if that's the case, maybe Dallas steals a game here. Maybe they play Dorian Finney-Smith and 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 uh, 
Reggie Bullock for monster minutes again, which you kind of have to, you're not, you got to have these strong defensive players out there when Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson are your, are your number one and number two guys are one and one a uh, from a def- uh, an offensive standpoint. But dude, Reggie Bullock played over 44 minutes. Uh, Dorian Finney Smith played over 44 minutes. Brunson played 41 minutes. Finney's uh, Dinwiddie played 36 and a half minutes. These guys, Really, really condensed rotation. The, the only guys off the bench were Josh Green got in a little foul trouble, but 10 minutes. Bertans played 18 minutes and Maxi played 24. That was it. Yeah. Uh, well, one other thing I wanted to touch on with the Jazz real quick okay. was um, not something you should be doing a lot of. Um, but Jordan Clarkson's only projected for 7% ownership. He only played 20 minutes last game, like you said. But what happens if this is a game where, for one reason or another, Utah is trailing down the stretch? You know, I think you get Clarkson in there in place of O'Neal, potentially, if they need offense. Um, so, like, And you even got like a one-minute stretch from Clarkson late in the fourth, and then they brought Conley back in. But my, my point is, like, in different game situations, different game flows, you could see Clarkson get more minutes here, and we know that he's going to get up a lot of shots. So not something you should be relying on heavily, but you know, on three-game slates, it can be pretty difficult to differentiate and still be getting the high upside guys. Clarkson, if things break his way minutes-wise, he can get those uh, get those minutes. And then, you know, conversely, $3,600 or, yeah, $3,800 for uh, Royce O'Neal, if he does play 30-plus minutes, he's not a great uh fantasy producer but that is a pretty cheap price tag man it's it's tough to think this dallas team without luca can can hold a considerable league coming into the fourth. no i, I agree completely but at the same time seven percent ownership yeah. on fifty one hundred dollar jordan clarkson i mean that's somebody that if sure. he needs to he can go out there and play 26 minutes and you know score 30 something DraftKings points yeah sure and, and as we've talked about with players like clarkson before if they get hot they're going to get it some additional run anyway probably uh late in the game all right, let's talk about Dallas. The, the there's nothing exciting from from like Dip Finney Smith and and Bullock, but I, I do want to start with those guys and then get into Brunson and Dinwiddie just to get your opinion on whether or not the fact that they're likely going to play another 44 or like just let's say 40 plus minutes uh, at these price points is is worth taking the low per minute output just for you know to to get the minutes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it is. Like, the downside is that you're getting decent ownership coming to guys that aren't good point-per-minute players. But if you're going to get 40-plus from Finney Smith at 5,200 and 40-plus from Bullock at 4,800, there's just not many alternatives, you know, in those price ranges. They're going to give you that many minutes. And they're still cheap enough where even if, you know, you assume they're low point-per-minute production, it still just averages out to, like, mid-20s fantasy points at pretty cheap price tags. And I don't really think there's any reason to think that those minutes are going anywhere. Like, what are the what are the other options for Dallas? Like those guys need to be out there defensively uh, for them to have any chance here. You know, Bullock can knock down threes as well. So can Finney Smith. Um, Bullock this year, 566 minutes without Luca or Porzingis on the floor, 0.67 DraftKings points per minute. Finney Smith at 0.81. So not even, you know, horrible production there, but it's just the, the number of minutes make them pretty appealing options, even though they're not the best fantasy guys. Dinwiddie and Brunson are the two, you know, obvious spots here. Again, low scoring game, not a great matchup, but I'm not really sure how much that matters. They both had monster usage rates last time out. Both of them played considerable minutes, Brunson a little bit more, but still, I mean, when you when you've got a game like this and you take a guy like Luka Doncic off the floor, that void offensively is so big that uh, when you're tasking Brunson and Dinwiddie with filling that void, 
their price points are still going to be uh, too low here. Yeah, I think that they are pretty clearly underpriced still. You know, again, not a good matchup, but there's just so much production to be had. Dinwiddie's played 303 minutes without Luka since joining Dallas. 30.9% usage rate, 32% assist percentage. You know, obviously you can expect that to come down a little bit the more minutes he's playing with Brunson. Um, And then Brunson, you know, similarly, 836 minutes without those guys, 28.5% usage, 34.5% assist percentage. You can expect that to come down a little bit because he's playing alongside Dinwiddie. So they do cut into each other somewhat. But if you're going to get 40 minutes from Jalen Brunson at 7,200 and, you know, 36 to 40 from Dinwiddie at 6,600. Those guys are clearly two of the top mid-range options. And also two guys that I, I don't remember if I mentioned them before, but two two more guys that kind of make it even more difficult to get to Donovan Mitchell at 8,300, even though his upside is so high. It's true. Who do you like more over, uh, between Dinwiddie and Brunson? Is there any lean here or do you <clears throat> just take the savings on Dinwiddie? I think it's the savings on Dinwiddie, but I would pay a lot of attention to the ownership projections. Right now, we have them close enough. Like we have Dinwiddie at 42%. We have Brunson at 33%. Um, but I would pay attention there. Like I know, and you know, maybe it changes today, but I know in the first game, um, especially as you moved up in stakes, Brunson, the, the gap became bigger. Like I know in the highest stakes tournament that I played, Dinwiddie was like 85% owned. Brunson was 21%. Um, so I do think it's something where in larger fields, you're probably going to get it closer um so maybe in larger fields you actually want to go a little bit heavier on Dinwiddie but if you're somebody that's playing in higher stakes smaller fields brought like not that it makes Dinwiddie a bad play but it makes Brunson relatively better because I think you can expect the gap to be bigger okay uh last thing here before we move on to the last game uh Maxi Kleber played 24 off the bench last game pretty pretty standard production for for what we would normally expect for somebody like him not exciting he is cheap though is this another one of these spots where you just have to at least be considering him uh, as Dwight Powell's backup? Yeah, it's just, you know, it's a $3,800 price tag. It's hard to come by guys at that price that, you know, are going to play mid-20s in minutes. At the same time, you know, pay attention to his ownership. Um, he's getting 28% right now. Uh, to com- Like, as a comparison, Kleba is at 28%. Royce O'Neal at the same price is at 17%. I think they both suck from a fantasy standpoint. I don't really want to play either one, but they're kind of functionally the same player. I don't think there's any real reason that one of them should be, you know, getting two thirds, the ownership of the other one. So uh, pay attention to the ownership between those two. And, and, you know, just generally amongst the players in that price range. We got free tools on the site today. It's Monday, Sunday. We don't every other day of the week we do NBA ownership rankings are free tonight. MLB player rankings. Do we have an early slate? Do we have an early MLB slate? For there's one game. It's Patriots day. Oh, that's it. Huh? Okay. Uh, NHL player rankings as well. All of that stuff is free. And if you just wanted to get in on everything else we have, whether you want to do an awesome plus NBA for the week, for the month, you could do an express pass for less than five bucks a week or go full out for the year for every sport, all access, awesome plus platinum. Doesn't matter. You want to do just baseball, just UFC, NASCAR, or do them all. We have PGA, NASCAR, uh, UFC, like I said, baseball, basketball, USFL now we've got projections for that esports. If they have contests out there, we got content for it built by the best guys out there. Uh, and as you've seen in our Hall of Fame segments, got big winners coming in all the time. So check it out the boom bust tool, the top stacks, ownership, player projections, lineup builder. Uh, for baseball, the top pitchers tool and top stacks tool are fantastic and a lot more. You can get the fantasy cruncher add on on top of that as well. So uh, awesome.com slash join if you want to check all of that out. 
uh, and our best bets discord as well. You got the best bets discord uh, that you can get in there. All of our best bets from Alex Baker, awesome of himself, from Ben Rasa, from Steve Buzzard, all put neatly into that Discord channel. And it's a great community that's being cultivated there. If you want to join, check it out uh, in the description, or we can put that link in the chat as well. The Best Bets Discord with Alex, Ben, Steve. Uh, we're using our industry-leading projections to identify the best bets in basketball, baseball, and a whole lot more. All right, let's move this one on, wrap it up with Denver and Golden State. I mean, Denver is clearly outmatched here, Adam, whether Curry's coming off the bench or not. The problem in the postseason is that you just don't – this is what I was talking about with Joel Embiid, right? You just don't win games consistently if, you know, Nikola Jokic is the guy that has to do everything. And also, what the hell is Mike Malone doing with these rotations? I have no idea. I I have no idea. It makes makes me wonder at this point if if he just – is trying to to catch lightning in a bottle with somebody. I I, I don't know because like you have an awful awful bench. It's killed you all regular season, and you decide that you still need to play ten guys in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean he played he played Demarcus Cousins for uh, what did he play him for a one two three four five six seven, seven minute stretch in the in the first half and don't get me wrong i'm a big demarcus cousins fan but defensively big time liability Bryn Forbes, bones highland jermichael green and austin rivers so it's not this is it's the 10 the 10 players is not what bothers me adam as much as the literally having your entire bench unit out there for like a six minute stretch in the first half of the game Right, yeah, we're we're on the same page. Like, what really bothers me is that he just refuses. He did it in the second half. Um, he he used Barton off the bench, and yeah. not surprisingly, Barton had a good second half. But um, yeah, that that's the thing that annoys me the most is just like you can't have all five of these guys out there when Jokic isn't on the floor. You need actual good players out there, like or, or you know the best that you have at least. And they're you know, already Gordon, limited there. Gordon and Barton, you you can't be running like. Bryn Forbes and Austin Rivers and, and Bones Island with Cousins and Green. Like, that doesn't – you're Crazy. just going to get destroyed um, in those minutes, and you're already the worst team out of the two. So, like, you can't just give up the, you know, however many minutes Jokic is on the bench and say, yeah, we'll make it back. So, made no sense to me. The second half rotation was a bit better. Um, you know, you got Barton subbing in, so he at least played with the second unit. Hopefully that continues today, and if it does, it does make Barton look even better at 5,500. Like, I think he's decent one way or the other, but if you're going to get Will Barton playing those bench minutes, he, he becomes a much, much more productive player um, because those minutes without Jokic are so valuable. Similarly, I would think you get more minutes from Jokic here. Like, he played 17 minutes in the first half. And like you were saying, you know, Cousins is, is whatever, but you can't have Jokic pacing 34 minutes in a playoff game. The guy was playing 40 minutes down the stretch in the regular season. Why are we cutting his minutes back in round one? I don't know. That's It, it makes no sense. It, it, is, Cousins, is a Cousins backup stint fine? Yeah, you, you give him – Four and four, five and five in the first and second half, you know, not seven. And then, and then in the second half, like you said, we saw some adjustments there. Cousins playing time was limited, but uh, you know, it's ugly. And, and look, do you can make an argument. Someone I'm sure someone will be like, yeah, but in the first half, when that whole bench was out there, it, 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 uh, Golden State didn't pull away with it. Yeah. I, I get that, but it's still, it's still not what you're looking to do. I mean, it just doesn't, 
make a ton of sense. And really, when Golden State did pull away, it is when Gold, uh, when the Denver's bench was out there. That's when they took that lead and, and ballooned it to 24, even though Barton was out there a little bit as well. But uh, anyway, Nikola Jokic today, he had 111 touches in 34 minutes, which is just crazy. Like, yeah, that, that that's insane. And, and again, <laughs> like I think he plays more minutes here. Um, he, he Granted, he still got to 34 and a half minutes and, you know, lost – four minutes to garbage time. But the, the thing there is Cousins got ejected. So right, right, Malone right. was kind oh, of forced. I forgot forced. about that. I forgot yeah. about that. You're right. Well, yeah, yeah. You can look at the rotation and say like, oh, Malone learned in the second half and he only played Cousins, you know, for like three minutes. He, he was forced to put his best player I back totally in the game. totally forgot about that. You're right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was just – but but at the same time, like I can't I can't expect that he's about to do the same thing. Like I think Yoke is just playing 38 minutes here, assuming the game's competitive. Um, and it makes him look great. You know, he's – such a good passer that like basically what we were talking about with Embiid where Toronto's probably going to force him to not score 40 points a night that's been the case with Jokic all year his teams are doing that um, but he's such a good passer you can only do it you know it still limits your effectiveness so um, there's not really concerns where Golden State takes Jokic out of the game because you're just kind of getting what you've gotten all season long I think at 11k he looks great um, I would prefer getting to him over Embiid if I can uh, $300 price difference there so still really like Jokic and then the rest of this team is is tough to trust, but I do like the $5,500 $5, tag on Barton. I think one way or the other, you're getting mid-30s in minutes. But if you do see Malone replicate that second half bench rotation where Barton came in instead of Bryn Forbes, um, that makes Barton look even better. Monte Morris at 4,900, Aaron Gordon at 6K. They're both fine. Gordon should play a lot of minutes here. He was really bad in game one, but... You know, it's one game. We, we know Aaron Gordon can still uh, get it done offensively. And at 6K, if this game's competitive, he's likely to give you 36 minutes or so. So um, I think any of those guys are fine. Barton would be my priority out of the Gordon-Barton-Morris group. But I think, you know, any of them are, are fine to get to. After that, if you throw, end up throwing some darts at guys like Highland or Green or Austin Rivers, who played 26 minutes, um, you know, it's a three-game slate, so whatever. But uh, definitely not excited to go too deep into Denver's rotation here. What do you think the closing lineup is if this game's close? Morris, Barton, Morris, Morris, Barton, Gordon, Jokic, obviously. Yes. But is it green? Is it like it, who, it, it, any of it could be green rivers or Highland? Highland? Like, yeah. who? like down the stretch in the regular season, we saw Highland a lot. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you also get the like, oh, it's the postseason and Green's a veteran. He's less likely to do something stupid. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, so I, I kind of think that last spot is just dependent on a lot of in-game factors, but I would expect that it's one of Green, Rivers, or Highland. That's what I was saying, too. It could definitely be Green. It could. Yeah. We saw Rivers closing out games last year. Was it last year? Yeah, I mean, season? he closed out the last game, too. Granted, that was garbage time, but, like, he played yeah. straight through it. Yeah, my assumption is just like where he would have come off, he just kept playing through. Yeah, that. that's what I think as well. Yeah. All right, let's rip, uh, wrap this one up. Hit that thumbs up too. Are we at 100? Yeah, oh, 102. Good stuff. Appreciate you guys. Got 522 watching on a Monday morning. But if you haven't done so, hit that thumbs up. It only takes one single second to make the world a better place and subscribe to the channel as well. Um, yeah, by the way, Trent didn't go through a shoot around and Scotty Barnes is in a walking boot. So. That gives us a decent idea of what we're getting there. On the other side with the Golden State Warriors, Draymond Green, just super involved last game, 17 potential assists. Uh, obviously didn't have to play a ton of minutes in that game, 29, but 
he was effective. If, if you're getting those type of games from him, and do you think Curry starts today? I'm not sure. I don't really – yeah, I don't really have a good feel for it. But, I kind of doubt it. Like, he only played 22 minutes, and I think they want him out there at the end of quarters. So, yeah. like, like assuming he's not just going to go play an extra 10 to 12 minutes today, I kind of think they just stick with what they did, especially because they won so easily. Like, if they could – if they can just like walk through this round with Steph Curry just coming off the bench and playing 24 minutes every game, you would think that that's something they would like to do. Right. I think you're right. So it does make, though, especially if, if he's starting, granted, Draymond Green, you know, Steph Curry is a fine playmaker, but he's not like this elite. Passing is not what he's known for. So it, I still think, though, Draymond Green at 6,500, is he a top option? Maybe not, but I'll take the I'll take the ability to fill a stat sheet like that any day of the week, especially if this game ends up being, you know, competitive. And then Green pulls those extra four or five minutes, four minutes at the end of the game. You get into around 33 minutes or so. And at 65 mid range price point, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, agreed. I think he's just kind of where he should be in price. Yeah. Um like he, he's not somebody I'm going out of my way to target, but at the same time, he's only projected for 25% ownership. We know he has plenty of upside. If I land on some Draymond, and I'm sure I will because it's a three-game slate, that's fine. So it's just, I don't know, it's somebody that I just don't have a strong take on one way or the other. I don't think he's overpriced. I don't really think he's underpriced. Um, I think he's a good play if he happens to fit into your lineup. Agreed. Jordan Poole with a 30-point game last time out. That was interesting, but... yeah. You know. Yeah, another reason that I think they probably just go back to Curry on the bench. Like, what's you said? Somebody said in chat, you know, as long as Poole's playing well, you don't need it. Um, it kind of goes with what I was saying, where like if they can just walk through Denver without pushing Steph Curry, and I think Poole is is good enough that they probably can. Right. Look, yeah, you have Clay Thompson, you have Jordan Poole. Wiggins is fine, right? Like Wiggins is a fine third scoring option right now. So uh, I, I think you're right. I think Curry can continue at least for another game to come off the bench if they they take two. Uh, at home and then then you're looking good yeah like if, like if they if they if they lose today i'm pretty confident steph curry starting game three yeah, but yeah. you know i, I it, it would make sense to just kind of say like okay we'll just keep getting curry a couple extra minutes off the bench and if we don't need him this this round then cool we get a fresh steph curry in round two but uh it's kind of nice though when you have uh, michael malone emptying his bench in the first half while steph curry's out there for golden state right you know, coming off the bench, uh, not the entire time, obviously, but yeah, I, I don't know. Either way, uh, is there anybody else for Golden State that stands out as a great option? I think like just in terms of aggregate ownership, this is probably the lowest owned team on the slate. Am I wrong? If you had to guess? I think you're right. Cause I mean, it's just a really difficult team to get to like Draymond's getting the most ownership on this team at 25%. The issue is, you know, like Clay Thompson at 7,400, he's fine. Like he's going to get plenty of usage. He can certainly get hot and knock down a lot of shots. But when you take a step back and you don't, you know, you think about what your alternatives are to Clay Thompson, Thompson looks fine, but like, does he really look better than Brunson or Dinwiddie or, you know, Mitchell for a little bit more or, you know, any of, of these other guards that we've talked about. Um, so I think in tournaments, he's okay, but it's really difficult to prioritize him. Same goes for Jordan Poole. You know, he's up to $7,900. Can he go have a big game? Sure. But it's, it's not only that you need Poole to have a good game for $7,900 is that you need him to still like outperform all of these guys that are cheaper and can go do the exact same thing as him. So it's difficult to prioritize either of them. Wiggins is kind of, like I think a worse version of green, but but similar in that, you know, he's just at that 
basically correct price point. You know, if if Andrew Wiggins slightly outscores $6,200, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm not like building lineups around it. Kevon Looney was a really popular value play last game, but he's just not going to get enough minutes for you to really get that ceiling. Like he was good point per minute. I think he had like 14 or 15 DraftKings points, but he played 13 and a half minutes. So and there's nothing really to think that changes because you have Draymond Green who, like in any competitive game, you're getting Green out there. Um, Iguodala is going to cut into his minutes. Otto Porter is still going to play. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really difficult to prioritize getting to Looney. I do think Porter at 4,500 is kind of interesting. Like, especially if you could, if you have a lineup where the salary doesn't matter too much. And so we know that like a lot of ownership is going to Royce O'Neal or like 18% is going to Royce O'Neal at 3,800, uh, 28% right now going to Kleba at 3,800. If you can find the salary to get to a 6% owned Otto Porter for $700 more. I do think that's kind of interesting just because he's a better point per minute guy. He played 25 minutes last game. Um, I, I think that, you know, he beats those two often enough that it's interesting in tournaments if you can find the salary. Yeah, I don't see a problem with it at all. I mean, you're not going to get him closing a game, but 25 minutes is still probably, if you can get 25 minutes off the bench, yeah, that's, I'd be all right with that, especially in a game that, <clears throat> once again, I mean, you got, I don't actually, now that I think about it, is there, what do you think the upside is for, for minutes on poor? I mean, 25 seems like that's probably outside of foul trouble where he's going to be. Right. Yeah. I would say like 24 or 26. Yeah. He, he was like in their closing lineup basically. Um, but then at the same time, like he subbed out for pool. So um, yeah, I mean, I think 24 to 26, if the game's competitive is probably where you end up. Yeah, I just figured Curry would be in that closing line. Well, yeah, yeah. So so what I was looking at was um, they had Curry, Wiggins, Thompson, Green, and Porter out there. But then they did sub Poole in with like – they subbed them in for like 26 seconds and then yeah, called yeah, off I the dogs. Um, but yeah, so I think that's a reasonable expectation. Like you could also conceivably just not get those final three minutes and you're looking at like 22. So I guess like 22 to 26 probably for Porter. All right. Hey, that'll do it for us. Good stuff, man. As always, follow Adam at Ship My Money DFS, me at Lafay underscore D. Shout out to Jordan Klein for producing this one. We got a lot going on. MB, our MLB strategy show, as a matter of fact, coming up right after this on this very channel. Who do we got on that? Greg and Eric? Yeah, okay. Greg and Eric for the strategy show. Got MLB Live Before Lock with Eric and Neil Orfield. Then at 5.30, MLB Deeper Dive, 6.30, Live Before Lock with Josh and myself. We're going to take you all the way up to 8 today. Going to have a fun night, so hang out with us. We'll catch you back here soon. Appreciate you guys as always. Peace.